0: Hello and welcome to the Future History of Newburgh, a series of short stories about a peculiar town on a peculiar planet where science and magic mingle in an effort to save the worlds. I hope you're doing well wherever you are in this world. Although it's officially autumn here, I still have a watermelon in the garden, but I do have a tiny baby pumpkin that's growing too. That's exciting. Anyhow, in the last episode, We took a field trip to the desert to study some mysterious lights. In this episode, an odd couple makes a disturbing discovery. Please enjoy Season 3, Episode 8 Green Beams. Dr. Weber swiped her comm screen to open the newspaper. Next to her office chair lay QC, his tail wrapped around his hulking form as he slept, like an enormous, iridescent, scaly cat. Not for the first time did she wish the quantum computer would delete its dragon form and run her simulation on full power. But her creations seemed to have developed a mind of his own, and refused to run the simulation unless he could maintain his fantastical form. She sighed, yearning for just a glimpse into the computer's findings so far. She knew about Newberg's beginning, how it was pieced together from different planets. What she didn't fully understand was how. That how was the only conundrum that could draw her interest, and so... While her computer mulled over this question, she sat in the doldrums of her lab, reading the newspaper. The police had brought in two people for questioning in relation to the bomb threats, including the former chief of police. It was good to know something was being done, but Dr. Weber wondered how close they were to actually catching the people initiating the threats. Then she read, Child teleports from Bartholomew's Barrens to Midtown Suburb. The headline grabbed her attention immediately. A child had harnessed teleportation? The article explained the girl, her sister, and her friend were trying to catch a glimpse of what some people were calling Bart's beacon when she abruptly disappeared and reappeared safely back home. As yet, no sages had been linked to the transportation spell. I just saw a green flash and she was gone, Sister Liza explained. It seemed like the light took her away. We didn't know what to do. We were really scared, the article continued. Dr. Weber closed the screen and considered. A green flash, and she was gone. That sounded familiar. That sounded like distribution center transport technology. A technology she had created. If it was, the girl was lucky she was alive and in one piece. Transportation technology was never meant for human or ZAN use. Dr. Weber's first instinct was to contact the head of the distribution center. However, upon reflection, she realized she didn't know who that was. She had always dealt with Ms. Bliss when integrating her transport tech into the center decades ago. She dialed the parliamentarian's number, but even her assistant, Angelica, didn't answer. Dr. Weber pursed her lips and decided it was her technology. She didn't need anyone else's permission to go inspect it. She needed to discern if it was misfiring, or if the problem was in the hands of those in charge of the distribution center. She took the SkyTrain to Midtown and walked a few minutes to the industrial area of the city. There, looming like a gargantuan steel bunker, was the distribution center, which took up the same space as four city blocks. Dr. Weber hadn't been there in years, and it took her a while to find the entrance. She followed a flight of drones carrying boxes around to the back of the massive building. The drones disappeared over the roof, where there was probably a special receiving entrance. She couldn't follow them there, but she now saw a short cement staircase leading up to a nondescript door. Entering, she was greeted with cold, much like entering her own lab and rivaling the chilly outdoor temperature. The distribution center housed a colossal server and needed to keep the temperature low to prevent it from overheating it resembled the server at the Newburg library except instead of a tall column of flashing lights and whirring fans the distribution center server was spread out along a wall there wasn't a single person in sight but she did hear a voice coming from the end of the corridor Her smart taupe pumps made commanding clops against the waxed floor as she followed the voice. It was accented, whiny, and easy to hear against the background hum of machinery. She turned the corner at the end of the hallway to find Humphrey Hobb, the bumbling alchemy student, jabbing his greasy finger against one of many blinking red light bulbs and saying, Hello there. To whom should I speak concerning my paycheck? You see... I received a lump of soft goat cheese instead. Dr. Webber fought the urge to roll her eyes at his naivete. Oh, Dr. Webber, you startled me. I'm so glad you're here, though. Do you know how to access the help desk? Everything here is so foreign to me. I'm afraid I'm pushing all the wrong buttons. He was certainly pushing her buttons, and she hadn't even been in the room with him for a full minute. Sages in general and their ridiculous inability to function in the modern age annoyed her. First of all, it's a bulb, not a button, she said, teeth clenched and resisting the urge to slap his hand away from the light. Second of all, I don't believe there is a help desk in this place. If you have an issue with your paycheck, you should be able to deal with it remotely. Oh, what nonsense! "'There must be somebody here to speak to,' he said, putting his hands on his hips and marching farther down the hallway corridor. After a moment of staring at his ratty green robe trailing the floor, she sighed and followed after him. She was looking for someone to speak to also. They might as well go together. They wove in and out of a labyrinth of hallways lined with blinking lights and buzzing fans. Every so often... Humphrey would pause to push a light bulb and inquire for help in a loud voice which rang off the walls. Dr. Webber eventually gave up slapping his hands away from the lights and continued on through the maze in her search for any sign of life. The only other creature they encountered was a floor-waxing robot, bustling about its job, oblivious to the queries lobbed at it from Humphrey, whose voice got louder and louder, as if the robot was hard of hearing. She was beginning to think they had doubled back on their trail when the hallway suddenly gave way to a large open space. The room was so immense, she couldn't see the opposite wall in the dark distance. Numerous conveyor belts laden with packages reeled through cutouts in the wall. Drones hummed through the air, transferring packages. A sense of awe settled over Dr. Weber. She knew this room contained the highest concentration of artificial intelligence on the planet. Every single AI was enchanted, so they could be ultimately controlled by humans and prevent any threat of them taking over the world. Dr. Weber had just completed Newberg's strict regulatory documentation for QC. Artificial intelligence that could take the form of a dragon was especially touchy for the regulation board. She hoped he passed and she wouldn't have to deactivate him. In the distribution center warehouse, boxy robots with humanoid limbs and clasping metal pincers for hands scanned boxes as well as sorted bags of gold for those Newburg citizens who didn't want to receive their credits via automatic deposit. Dr. Weber took a step toward one of the transport beam emitters as Humphrey began a fresh round of whining about his goat cheese to a nearby robot. She wheeled toward him. Oh, for the love! They won't respond to you. They aren't programmed for bank transactions. But her anger evaporated into surprise when she saw that Humphrey was actually speaking to a flesh-and-blood person this time. The paunched, balding man was looking as surprised to see them as Dr. Weber was. So there was someone in charge of the distribution center. What did you say, Al? I was connecting the wires. I couldn't hear you over the... Oh! A petite, unassuming blonde stepped out from behind the man. She regained her composure as recognition dawned on her. "'Dr. Weber?' she greeted with a smirk. "Katie," Dr. Weber said coolly, acknowledging her former lab assistant. "'Most people call me Catherine now,' she said with an arched eyebrow. "'What are you doing here?' "'I could ask the same of you,' Catherine answered, cocking her head confidently to one side." Are you responsible for the beam technology malfunctioning? Yes, I I received a lump of cheese in place of my gold. And while the cheese was rather tasty... Quiet! Quiet! The two women shouted to Humphrey in unison. Dr. Weber peered beyond the blonde woman to see another piece of machinery. One whose chrome housing and blue font on its digital interface stood out from the dull grays and greens of the distribution center. She knew enough about mechanical engineering to know what she was looking at. A bomb. A cold shiver ran through Dr. Weber's body. You're the ones behind the bomb threats. And it's quite clearly not just a threat. Want me to get rid of them? Al asked, clenching his aging fists determinedly. Dr. Weber took a step back, but wondered if she could actually take the old man. Catherine grinned with absolutely no warmth. An emotionless alligator's smile. I think they're right where we need them to be, she answered Al without taking her eyes off Dr. Weber. I think we're the ones who should leave. You go ahead. I'll be right behind you. Al hopped up awkwardly onto a conveyor belt which fed him into the green light of one of the transport beams. He disappeared with a flash. For an instant, Dr. Weber was concerned for his safety, but after coming to her senses, She hoped the man ended up as a puddle of glop wherever he had transported himself. She faced her former intern again. She hadn't been intimidated by the big old oaf, but the blonde's calculating gaze had her on edge. I must hand it to you, Katie. This is the perfect hiding place. Who would think to look for people here, let alone people building a bomb? It appears you knew enough about my technology— to reverse-engineer the beams to bring items into the distribution center with them. I see that's how you hid your trail. If anyone tracked your movements to Bartholomew's Barrens, they'd never be able to track you farther. But why are you doing this? Why on earth would you build a bomb? Catherine crossed her arms over her chest and squinted her eyes. You know, you remind me a lot of my father. So noble. So sure science could solve all of the world's problems. So certain he had all the answers. We were a happy family until Mother died. Then he threw himself into his work. Every conscious moment was spent in his lab on the verge of some great discovery that would change the worlds for good. The only way to get his attention was to delve into physics along with him. He was disappointed if I didn't excel. So excel I did. But even then, I was passed over, grant after grant. I thought he would be proud of me when I got an internship with the great Dr. Weber. But he didn't seem to notice. He withered away in his lab until the day he died, still trying to rid the worlds of all their problems. And what does he have to show for it? What has this town really done? All our solutions... Just bring us more problems. And why wouldn't they when this broken planet is our foundation? It's an abomination existing outside the laws of nature. If you only knew how it was created... I do know, Katie. I found out a little while ago, Dr. Weber said, remembering her own outrage when she had learned the truth. She lamented that she identified with this crazy bomb maker even a little bit. Why haven't you told anyone? Catherine shouted, making Dr. Webber jump. A bunch of pieces of dying planets tacked together with dark matter like Frankenstein's monster. Everyone knows how that story ended. We're trying to preserve life. But at what cost? If I could only find the sages who were responsible for holding this planet together, I would end them before this world wreaked even more havoc. Catherine said, clenching her fists. The only one I see wreaking havoc right now is you. Can't you see how much fear you've caused? You want to murder the population of an entire planet, Dr. Weber said, taking a step closer to the woman, willing her to see sense. Newberg is unnatural, Catherine shook her head with a crazed expression. I'm far from the only one who believes this world is an aberration. The worlds will end when it's their time. We can't manipulate fate for our own ends. We shouldn't be here. You must see that setting off a bomb to destroy a planet will certainly destroy you in the process. Think rationally. Catherine's smile got even toothier. Newberg was going to destroy itself anyway. We're just speeding it along so it doesn't destroy the Earths. And I'm not going to be on the planet long enough to be caught in the blast zone. But there's no way off the planet, unless you're not suggesting that Akua Igwe has anything to do with this, Dr. Weber said, unable to believe the portal opener could be involved in helping these criminals escape. Catherine laughed, too loud for the metal-lined space. (laughs) Adrenaline seemed to be emanating from her in waves as she retrieved a slim remote from her pants pocket. She pressed one of its buttons, and the mechanism behind her whirred to life. A countdown of 59 seconds displayed on its interface screen. The countdown hadn't started, but it would at the whim of this mad woman. Dr. Weber stared in trepidation at Catherine's right thumb, hovering over a red button on the remote. But in her periphery, she also saw Humphrey Hobb sneaking low and slow behind Catherine. In their fervor, the two women had completely dismissed the inconsequential man. Now it seemed he was using their distraction to his advantage. She could only hope he wasn't planning something idiotic. No, Akua and the Watchers only thought they could control the way on and off the planet. As Catherine scoffed, Humphrey, still in his crouched position, pushed her feet out from under her, making her fall backwards onto him. It was far from a genius plan, but he had provided the element of surprise. Now if only Dr. Weber could take advantage of it. Everything seemed to slow around Dr. Weber. She took in the look of shock in Catherine's eyes as she fell. The grimace on Humphrey's face as Catherine's elbow made contact with one of his kidneys. She even had time for an internal chuckle of delight about that. Then her eyes locked on the remote, almost completely free of Catherine's slackened grip. Dr. Weber lurched forward. She'll never know if she pushed the button on the remote as she snatched it out of Catherine's hand, or if it was Catherine's last-ditch effort to keep hold of the remote that ultimately squeezed the button. Regardless, the countdown began with a robotic voice announcing, Sequence initiated. Humphrey grunted in pain as Catherine pushed him down in order to scramble to her feet. (sighs) Seeing the writing on the wall, the conniving woman hurtled to the same conveyor belt that her co-conspirator used. With frantic eyes and a devious smile, she vanished in a flash of green, transported to who knows where. Dr. Weber knew there wasn't time for her and Humphrey to figure out a way to escape. She had to neutralize the bomb. She raced to the device, though she knew it was futile. She mashed every button on the remote, but there was no change. The countdown persisted. Humphrey shuffled over to the bomb, but she pushed him aside, tapping the display screen, hoping for an option menu to pop up so she could abort the sequence. It was no use. Three seconds. Two seconds. One second. Dr. Weber felt Humphrey's clammy hand grip hers as the bomb emitted a flash so bright that it seemed the world was lost in light. That concludes Episode 8, Green Beams. If you enjoyed this episode, why not leave a review? As a listener to other podcasts, I know that this call-to-action segment of the show gets repetitive and maybe even annoying, (laughs) but I also find myself forgetting to subscribe and review until someone reminds me, (laughs) even after being a long-time listener. I think, oh, I'll just do it later when I have some time, but we know later comes and goes reading and reviewing is extremely important for podcasts because it triggers the algorithm overlord to send people suggestions of other podcasts they might like and likewise i know you probably know about my donation links links to my books and links to merchandise that are below in the show notes but they also get lost in the shuffle of life and that's why i remind you about them in case you do have a desire to support the show but just haven't gotten around to it yet. Above all of that, I'm just happy you're here. <laughs> I don't know most of you, but you've touched my life, so thank you. The Future History of Newberg was written, narrated, and produced by R. Don Hutchinson. As always, thank you so much for listening and helping the story unfold. Why do all my motorcycle-riding neighbors decide to go ride right now? Fun time.